episode four of the Heart and Hustle podcast. What is up, Magic fans? Nick Grunowitz here. Scott Inez is going to join us in just a minute. We got a great show set up for you uh, as I kind of intro this here. We're getting ready for the Magic to begin the final 23 games of the season. Uh, here's a little rundown of what we're going to do today. We're planning for this to drop on Friday morning before the Magic play the Chicago Bulls. Uh, we have a big, big guest on the show, David Steele, the Magic TV play-by-play man, longtime Magic employee from radio to TV to just about everything. He's going into the Magic Hall of Fame on Friday. Uh, David Steele dropped by and talked to Scott. Uh, that's about a 40-minute conversation. It's unbelievable. Uh, you should not miss a moment of it. David Steele talking about his early days at the University of Florida to coming in and uh, being the early radio play-by-play guy for the Magic, his transition to television. Uh, he talks about his relationship with Jeff Turner, of course, uh, his uh, his analyst, his color commentator on the broadcasts, uh, as well as his outlook for the team this season and the highs and lows, his favorite Magic players, his favorite uh, moments as the Magic TV and radio play-by-play guy. Uh, it is a great back-in-my-day uh, conversation with David Steele in a uh, a great back and forth between him and Scotty. I get in a little bit on it, but those guys uh, really went. Uh, it was a two man game, I guess I would say. Uh, then after that, uh, Chris Crawford, our third man here on the podcast, uh, joined me, and we talked about the second or the final twenty three games of the season, what to expect for the Magic, what we're looking for, how many wins is it going to take to guarantee a playoff berth, how high can the Magic get, plus a little bit about Jonathan Isaac and a few of these other guys. As well, I want to remind you, you can find the podcast both on, or via the link that I send out on Twitter, uh, as well as Apple Podcasts. Just search for Orlando Pinstripe Post. Um, it's not coming up as Heart and Hustle. So, I mean, we are part of the Orlando Pinstripe Post network, uh, but you can search for that. Uh, you can also check my Twitter account at ESPN580 Nick, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find this one. Please make sure that you, one, listen to the show. We're doing this because we want you to listen to it. Also, rate, review. Uh, Some people have reviewed. We've gotten some great feedback. It's been unbelievable. Rate, review the whole thing. Uh, But you can find us basically anywhere. And also, be sure you can listen to Scott Inez on ESPN 580 Orlando. That's 580 AM, 96.5 FM HD2 as well. The TuneIn Radio app, as well as your Alexa smart speaker. Just say, Alexa, play ESPN. 580 Orlando uh, from 4 to 6 uh, on ESPN 580 ESPN Afternoon Sky and for the latest magic news as well as your best sports talk but I don't want to spend any more time keeping you away from this interview the great David Steele joined Scott Inez and myself uh, before going into the Magic Hall of Fame you'll love this we are honored to have the Hall of Famer in the house uh, uh, he is David Steele and I know Mr. Steele you are humbled you are honored but I've also known you for a very long time, yes. and you are sitting in your seat squeamish mm. right now. Very uncomfortable mm. because your entire career has been about the game yeah. and the team. And right. now, all of a sudden, Friday night, it's about David Steele. It's about the Hall of Famer. So this is making you a little uncomfortable, I sense. More than a little. <laughs> you know you know me well enough to know that. Scott. Well, congratulations, yes. Thank you. Man. It's, it's, it is a great honor. honor. Thank you. It, it is you know, I'm not. I don't want people to get the wrong impression that I'm not appreciative. That no. I don't enjoy. No. I'm not. I'm enjoying it. It's great. Uh, it's it's a tremendous honor. But uh, yeah, I'll be glad when the spotlight moves back to the team on Saturday. Yeah, I, know. I may I may not open my eyes on that plane <laughs> to Toronto Saturday. <laughs> right, right. right I'll, exactly. I'll put my head back, and that'll be that's going to be a good feeling. Well, I, I know you have family and friends coming yep. in for the big event on Friday night, and I know we're very similar, David, in that we. We, we like to put our heads down, right? We like to stick our head in the sand, and we like to go. We right, like right. to work. And now all of a sudden, this, I would imagine, has caused you to kind of sit up a little bit and take notice of what has happened the last 30 years in yep. your professional career. And sometimes reflection can be a good thing, right? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, you're right. I don't, I don't do a lot of reflecting. I, you know, people have asked me over the last few days, uh, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on this, this and that, and what do you remember about this and that? I really have to dig deep to, uh, to come up with, with things to recall because mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't do a lot of reflection. Um, probably not a good thing, but because I think there's a lot of value in, you know, in looking back and reflecting to, to grow and move yeah. forward. But, uh, 
Yeah, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting exercise. And you realize just how many things have happened, how many people have come across your path and uh, how many great events that you've been able to broadcast and moments in magic history and mm-hmm. the coaches, uh, the players, the staff members, people you've traveled with, friendships you've made. It all kind of comes flooding in. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, been a, it's been an interesting, kind of emotional. Well, I can tell our audience that David Steele was a hero of mine growing up here in Central now, Florida. That really makes me feel uh, I Yeah, considering how old I am. Um, I know. But, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, I, I listened to David Steele calling Florida Gator football games and Florida Gator basketball games growing up. And, I mean, I, I, there would be times I, I would listen to you and marvel at your calls and wonder, could I ever do that? Mm. Um, because I always had an interest in it and kind of like you, I kind of grew up playing sports, wasn't good enough to make it to the professional level. Right. And all of a sudden, what's the next best thing right. you're what, thinking? What and that, you right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that is announcing who were some of your heroes when you were growing up in terms of the broadcasting oh, broadcast. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was, I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, my father was a university of Kentucky graduate and my mom, they were from Southeastern Kentucky, rural Kentucky. And everybody in the state of Kentucky, even though I grew up in Tennessee, but everybody in Kentucky is a Wildcat fan. Mm-hmm. And my dad included. He was a Kentucky alum. And so I listened to all the Kentucky games on the Clear Channel um, 870 or 840 WHAS radio mm-hmm. out of Louisville, Kentucky. And Kaywood Ledford was the play-by-play announcer. And I loved listening to those games. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't put it together that I would ever be doing that. I never thought I want to do that. What I wanted to do was I wanted to be one of those guys on the court, right. you know, yeah. playing or, or playing baseball if I listen to baseball games. But Kaywood Ledford was big. Uh, John Ward was the voice of the Tennessee Volunteers on radio, mm-hmm. and I was in Knoxville. So I was a fan, oddly, of both Kentucky and Tennessee. My dad was a Kentucky alum, and I lived in Knoxville, and the athletic director, Bob Woodruff, lived right down the street from us. His son, Mark, was a friend of mine. So I would go to the Tennessee games pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Football, I go to one football game, maybe two or three basketball games a year. And, uh, and then we'd go to a Kentucky game up in Lexington, um, try to once a year. So I have great memories of that. And back then, you know, nothing, nothing was on TV. One game was maybe on TV a week back in the sixties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so you didn't see these people. You didn't see the games a lot. Uh, you heard these radio announcers and they painted the picture. It was and, and magic. It was magical. It, really it was, was this little Absolutely. box under my pillow yes, at night. I agree. I did and, the same thing. You know, thing. you hear the crowd and uh, you would just imagine, close your eye. You didn't yeah. have to close your eyes. Right. You know, and uh, they, those guys were just great broadcasters. And, I, and those are the people that influenced me. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, growing up, uh, you know, I, I moved here as a freshman in high school, but growing up in the Northeast, you got some great broadcasters sure. up there in the Northeast. And I used to do the same thing you did. I would go to sleep with my transistor radio. Radio under my pillow, yep. listening to these faraway voices. The 50,000 watt right, right. clear channel stations. Right. I could pick up KMOX yeah. in St. Louis, right. WCKY in Cincinnati. Yep. I would listen to the Reds, the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was pretty much every now and then I could get, if the wave was just right, I could get, I think it was WCBS maybe out of New York. Sure. I could hear, you know, and they would fade in and out. But I was always, you know, tweaking that dial yes. just to see what might pop in. Right. KDKA in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, yeah. Um, Clear yeah. Channel Station Pirates and, uh, just magical times. Yeah, great absolutely. memories. Absolutely, and and when you would come across a game, you you would listen and wonder, okay, where is this game yeah, yeah. going on? It, it it was magical. It was special to listen to the Yankees games and the Mets games and the Red Sox games, and and those announcers. I, I used the word magical earlier. It was. It was mm-hmm. truly magical listening to those people, and you thought, man, it would be pretty cool to be one of those people. And here you are, thirty years later, as the voice of the Orlando Magic on radio and mm-hmm. television. Talk to me about the differences between the two because I I've worked with you many a year. I worked with you on the t- on the uh the well, both sides, but really mainly on the radio side when I would elbow you yeah, in the ribs during I've still playoff got bruises. games. I, I, I apologize for that. <laughs> this but, big knot right under my rib here. <laughs> no, I, I, I know, just I'm won't sorry. go away. That's I'm 25 sorry. years old. Yeah, now. I know. But talk to me about the differences between uh, radio and TV, because you're great at both. To me, radio is more of a personal medium. It's you and the microphone, and that's it. Whereas it. TV yeah. right now, I mean, I, I'm doing some TV with, with you guys right. on Fox Sports Florida, and yeah, it's you and the camera, but you're relying on so many other people to make you look half good. I'm actually Which, very interested in this answer, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, so so mm-hmm. I, I do wonder, mm-hmm. 
like what what do you like better? I, I don't want you to denigrate any one no, of them. No, but they're both great. They're both tell unique. me about that. Yeah, they're both unique. They're they're so different. That's what I think. Maybe a lot of people don't understand to do it well. You know, I mean, I hear there's so many announcers out now. I mean, you can hear 50 different voices on a weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, there you could flip around and, and hear 50 different games and 50 different announcers. And uh, you know, I, I really love a TV announcer that understands television. You mm-hmm. know, and that there's pictures. And uh, you have a color commentator who uh, really is there to provide a lot of insight. So uh, as a television play-by-play announcer, the key is to, to back out, to get out of the way, to allow the pictures. And you just kind of, you know, you provide some, some excitement, some, a lot of information. I feel like I bring a lot of information to the table that can help, if anybody, you know, the people that are listening uh, may help their enjoyment of the game just to provide some information that they might not know if they didn't listen to the broadcast. Mm-hmm. But then Jeff is, you know, Jeff is the guy that played the game and he understands all the X's and O's. I'm just watching the ball pretty much, you know, but Jeff is looking at off the ball situations sure. and what, why things work, why things don't work. So there's a lot more involved with, tell, like you said, there's a, with television, there's a producer in your ear telling you, uh, you know, that this shot's coming or that shot's coming or, you know, we're going to this promo or that promo mm-hmm. or going to a commercial break or, layout because uh, you know we got to do this or that so there's a lot more involved a lot more moving parts but like you said with radio it's just you and the microphone and you provide you paint the picture verbally that and you're totally responsible for the enjoyment mm. of the game from the fans do you miss that i do i do love you? i love radio well, yeah. I grew, like oh, we were so talking good at it david I, we really heard were. a clip thanks we heard a clip we, we ran a clip the other night of a game-winning shot nick hit in 1992 or 93 yeah and I had forgotten about, you know, the, I mean, when I saw it, I remembered it. But, I, you know, it was just, it was a great play, great game, great finish. Um, the game was in Charlotte mm. at the Old Hive. Mm-hmm. And they ran about 15 seconds of my call. And it was just so detailed, you know, right, left wing, backs in. Right, right. You know, throws it. I mean, just yeah. every, just painting that picture. Right. And I, I thought, it made me realize, I was, I was sitting there listening to that on the air thinking, you know, you can't do that on TV, no, and no. I and I and I don't. But um, it's a different broadcast. Do you, it's a totally do you, different. Do broadcast. you find yourself because you've been doing television for so long now, right? You've been doing it for like nineteen uh, years, years for the Mad yeah. twenty-one years. Uh, do you find yourself getting into a radio call at times and kind of telling really yourself, yeah, "I got to back off"? I think a I bit? did, Scott. Early on, I think when I first made the transition, there was a fan that would send me uh, an email. Um, and he would say, you're talking too much. You're doing, you know, you need to, you need to, 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 to stop talking. And, right. and I took that, you know, I really took it to heart because yeah. I, you know, I thought, you know, maybe the guy's right because mm-hmm. I've done radio for so long. And, uh, and so I think it probably, if you went back and looked at some of the early play by play on television, it might sound quite different mm-hmm. than the way it sounds sure. today. Yeah. Might, yeah. That's interesting because I, I, you know, a number of years ago, when you happened to break your leg, mm-hmm. they, they call the old left-hander in from the bullpen remember, to do yeah. five or six games. And that's the one thing I remember about doing television play-by-play. Shut up. Right? Right, right? Be quiet. This this is all about the pictures, and this is all about the color commentator. And, and you add a few words of wisdom here and there. But that's it. You you have to know when to hold them and when to fold right. them on television. That's my theory. Not, not everybody operates like that. You've sure. got some really good play-by-play announcers that become part of the, the show. Yeah. I mean, Gus Johnson has made a great career out of being Gus Johnson. Right. You know? <laughs> it's all so about Gus. It's, it's Gus, and he's great. <laughs> yeah. You know, and people love him. Yeah. So I'm not saying that my way is or our way is the way to do it, but that's just my personality. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I think it's all about being who you are because you can't do 30 years of 80 plus games per year and f- be phony and right. you know be some something that you're not yeah because it'll, it comes through you can't yeah. do it be yourself you have to just be yourself yeah. and whatever your style is your nature um you know and you 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 use that to the best of your abilities david Steele is here nikki football is here with us as well nick grenowitz i know you want to chime in you have I'm, so I'm many just, questions well, i'm just there. i'm marveling at the back in my day here i'm really enjoying <laughs> it as well yes um, a couple of old guys get off my line guys right. in here nick. Right. I, I really i love the conversation as someone who has gotten into broadcasting games for the magic over right. the last two years You're doing a great job by the way thank you i appreciate that you're someone who i've really watched and have have taken a lot from i've stolen good. a lot from you so i'm That's sorry good. but also um I, I guess talk to me a little bit about how 
how it's been working with 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 Jeff with JT because yeah. when you work with a color commentator for the first time you have to get to know him how have you guys how has that relationship developed throughout the years and and to what it is now well you know Nick it goes back our relationship uh, it goes back to 1989 because Jeff was a player on the first team and mm-hmm. I was uh, not a lot older than him um, I think the age difference is about eight years, maybe, mm-hmm. because I was a young guy. I came mm-hmm. in here at, at 35, um, at age 35 wow. from Florida, and Jeff was maybe 26, 27, maybe. So um, back then, the players and the and the broadcasters were all together. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time together. That doesn't happen much anymore. Mm-hmm. Things started changing, um, I'm going to say late 90s, maybe after I had done this for 10 years. Um, things really, when staffs got really bigger, a lot of coaches, just everything started to, to mushroom in terms of size of everything, you know, teams and how many assistant coaches simple. do you really need? Seriously? We got, I mean, we got a on. bunch. Come but, on. Seriously. We got some great ones though, Scott. I I'm didn't not mean to interrupt. Go them. ahead. No, but anyhow, but anyhow, Nick, to answer your question, yeah. I've known Jeff a long time, right? We became friends as he was a player. When he was a player, we, we were friends when he stopped playing, he blew out his knee, I think in 96 and the second half of the 96 season. And I uh, was working alone on radio, and uh, I went to management and said, "What about let's you know let's put Jeff on the air and see because I have a feeling that he would be a really good broadcaster because I knew Jeff personally, and he's he's bright, he's intelligent, mm-hmm. you know he's got he looks good, he he's sounds good, it. he's got he's it, awesome." And I I had a feeling he would be very good, so they said yes. Jeff said, "Yeah, let's give it a try." So he did radio, Nick, back in the. Maybe the last 20 games of the night after he had his knee injury, 96 season, 95, 96, I believe it was, mm-hmm. Scott. Yeah. And so he did radio for about to, with me, and then I moved to television. Then he did radio with Dennis Newman. Okay. And they were a great duo. I, I, I remember listening to them. They were really good together. Dennis is great, too. He is. And so, um, and then Jeff left to do uh, coaching at Lake Highland Prep and leadership at Lake Highland Prep and then came back seven years ago i think this is sixth or seventh year so we have a comfort level personally to begin with and it it really has been just very we spent a lot of time together um off the court you know we we get up in the morning we're both early risers we get coffee on the road Mm -hmm. we solve the world's problems (laughs) Um, we we solve the magic's problems we solve a lot of problems family issues we do it all you know in about 30 minutes every day and then we have a production meeting and and uh, we and then, and then on the air, it's just kind of a carryover. Yeah, our conversation. It's like two guys that know each other, that get along great, that are great friends, and have a love for this basketball team. And that's what that's what you hear on the air. Yeah, it's it's like listening to two brothers. It, it really is. is. Yeah. No, you're right. It, yeah. there, there there is definitely a synchronicity here. Hall of Famer David Steele is in the house. I want to ask you about your most fond memories, and I know many people have asked you mm-hmm. over the course of the last couple of weeks about your most fond memories, but one of my most fond memories with you, and you probably don't even remember it, but this, I'm this asking you to, okay? Yeah. The year that you did the cable TV show with Dennis Scott. <laughs> Nobody's brought that up. I, I, that's why I'm bringing it up now. I, I, I'm hoping I'll nobody ne- saw never, that. I'm, I'll never forget it, Nick. <laughs> wow. It was it was on, then it was, what, Cablevision of Central Florida or something like that. And right now it's Spectrum, but. Was it Cox? They, no, it was not Cox. Not Cox. No, it, it, I think it was Whatever. Cablevision back then, which turned into something which turned right, into right, Spectrum. Right, right. Turned but, into but anyway. House, which turned into Spectrum. Right, yes. right. So mm-hmm. so every, I don't, I don't know what night it was. Every it was Tuesday once or a Wednesday week. night, once a week, David Steele would host the show with Dennis Scott. Live. And, and live. Live. We're talking about live here. Live television. And yeah. to know 3D back in the day, like this isn't the 3D that we see on NBA TV. He was 25, TV, 24 right? years old. He was, he was I a mean, kid. He, he, he was just a kid. Yeah. So he would, ha- he would bring in guests. And one night, 3D brings in Shaquille O'Neal. But he's not dressed as Shaq. Like he comes in with a wig and a whole both thing pretending them. to be somebody else. Oh, Rastaf- both of them. Rastafarian. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. What? So you tell me about that. Well, you, you left part of it out. The okay. show was live, and uh, you know I was there. I would be there. You know I'm a pro, so I'm there. Right. Thirty, forty-five minutes You're an hour. You're ready to go. I'm yeah. ready to go. I got. I'm prepped. I know what I'm. What we're. You know. I think I probably haven't heard from Dennis all day, but I'm just assuming he'll <laughs> be there. Gonna show up. Yeah. So. So uh, what do you do if he doesn't show he up? He didn't show up. It's six o'clock, seven o'clock, or whatever. They say Dennis is not here. 
Q, you're on. Oh, no way. No, no. for the first 15 or 20 that. minutes, I don't even know you what I said. You had to tap dance? <laughs> tap dance for at least 15 minutes, maybe more. That I don't remember. Yes, Where are the yeah. tapes of this? I, Dennis says he has them. <laughs> Dennis says, I have the Rastafarian show. Oh, you got to be kidding. Tell he, me, he tell me about so, so he So Dennis doesn't show up he for that particular show. show. No, no, they made it. They made it. He and Shaq pulled up maybe 15 or 20 minutes after the show started. Okay. And they rolled in. There was a, it was a garage door, and I was alive on, on camera. Right. And they walk in dressed as, uh, you know, in disguise <laughs> as two Rastafarians with long hair and beads and, 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 and talking in a Jamaican, you know, both of them accent. <laughs> right. It, yeah. And they, yeah. I had no idea what they were doing. Oh, They, they gave my. me no advance warning. And so and you I had started to go doing another 45 thing. minutes with yeah. these dudes. And we just, I just did, uh, you know, I just went along, just went along with it, had some fun, had That's fun with it. That's got to be on YouTube somewhere, Nick. It has to be on YouTube. Uh, I, I need sound of that if it is. It's amazing that that happened. But Unbe- that did happen. Unbe- so, so you do an entire series of shows that year with Dennis. And- we did about, I'm guessing, 15 shows, maybe. Fifteen shows, and he had he had he had his barber in there every week. Oh, he had now, his remember barber. Remember Three D's Corner? There was yes. uh, he yes. had three stools, and he would bring in friends and family <laughs> and his barber, and oh. uh, you know we'd we'd show get a shot of him over there, and they'd wave, and <laughs> he'd talk about them, and it was it was crazy. Hysterical. I do remember the rest affair, but I didn't realize that they showed up late that day. Yeah, they were late. Oh, yeah. so so do you remember what you said for no. the first fifteen minutes? Or no so? idea. It couldn't have like been good. Like, they just cue you. You're on, and you're like, what, what, the, what the heck am I been, supposed to? It couldn't have been good. That's all I know. It couldn't have been very good at all. Oh, that is awesome. David Steele is with us here. David going into the Magic Hall of Fame on Friday night, right before the Magic meet the uh, Chicago Bulls. One of my most fond memories is being with you in 1995 in Boston at the old Boston Garden when the Magic closed down the Garden. And when I was elbowing you in the ribs mm-hmm. every other play. And we have to hear about this game every year. Uh, every year Every we year, do. the year the Magic closed the Boston yes, Garden. But we were I, up I, in the catwalk. We were, we were, we were on, what, what was it called? It was called right. Johnny Most Catwalk or Johnny yeah. Most something or other. But, yeah. but, uh, but all of a sudden, as we're doing the pregame show, people started realizing that this was the last ever game of the Boston Garden. They come down from the rafters and start kissing the floor. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember thinking, man, like this is... This is really important for even though we're talking about a a monstrous win for the Magic and their first ever series win right. in the playoffs. This is a monster moment in the history of sport in this country. Yeah, it, it was, was really special, wasn't it? It was. It was, and the the team was uh, was kind of teetering. Yeah, I remember in that series, they lost game two here, and that game, as I recall, Scott went to the final sixty seconds. Could have gone either way. Yeah. So yeah, that was big. And then closing out, I've got a few photographs down on the court. You probably do mm-hmm. too. And uh, we probably there's probably some of us together. Yeah, you, I don't. I need one of those. Do you have one of those? Uh, I believe I do. I'd have to look yeah. really hard. Yeah. <laughs> there's somewhere in my somewhere. office. But anyhow, that was fun. That that yeah. was a, that's a good moment. Yeah, recalling absolutely. that. Nick Anderson stole the ball. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a huge moment in Orlando Magic history. Your call made it even huger, if you will. What What do you remember about Nick stealing the ball from Michael Jordan in the '95 play? Well, putting it into context of what was going on then, Scott Michael Jordan, the greatest player in the world, possibly of all time, had stepped away from basketball. He won three championships. He played baseball. Now he comes back, and I think it was March, mm. to the Bulls. They're still good, but now they have Michael Jordan, and they have six weeks to get him going in the regular season. So they're not a high-seeded team. So we play them in the second round, and I think they must have been the fourth seed. So I think everybody, after, especially after we struggled against Boston to win against the eighth-seeded Celtics, and could have easily lost that series if things don't go a certain way here and there. So I think everybody thought the Bulls with Michael, they're going to beat the young Magic. Those guys are young. They're, you know, Brian Hill, the coach, uh, you know, doesn't have control, all that stuff, you know, you heard. But, uh, and then you got game one in Orlando, and Chicago was winning game one. Michael Jordan has the ball. Mm. The greatest player of all time mm-hmm. has the ball. They're winning the game. And just think about it. Nick Anderson comes from behind, deflects the ball away. Penny picks it up, dribbles down, bounces it, or throws it to Grant, the Horace Grant. He dunks it. We win the game. Mm. That was like one second left, one yeah. point something seconds left. Right. So if that play does not happen, mm. I am, I would, there's no way to know for sure. Sure. But I don't think Orlando wins that series. Yeah, you might be right. They don't make the finals, mm-hmm. obviously, if you don't win that. That's the second round. Yeah. So to me, that play 
Exactly. It was just enormous. Yeah. Probably the biggest single play in Magic history. And and the call Nick Anderson stole the ball. Nick Anderson stole the ball. Is is there a point as a play-by-play person of the Orlando Magic for 30 years now, but is there a point where you recognize during a big game that this is a big moment mm-hmm. and I better not screw this up? Like, I mean, Nick Anderson stole the ball. Shaq pulls the goal down. You've had some tremendous calls in your history. But is is there a point where you recognize, okay, if I screw this up, I'm going to be remembered in perpetuity? No. Like, there's an awful announcers.com <laughs> out there right if, now. I think if you thought that, Scott, you couldn't work. I, I Because you just, I just get in the moment. I mean, if you're not totally, here's what happens. If, if you're not mentally totally in the game, then you'll drift and you'll make mistakes like mm-hmm. that. But if you're in, if you're all in and you're locked and you're, you know, you, you, you know, there's kind of a Zen feeling that you have when you're doing a game. If, uh, if you're doing it right, I think that you, you know, that you're in the moment. So when those moments happen, you, you know, you just, you just react. Yeah, that's sure. the way, that's the way it happens with me. Yeah, That's well said. Nick, you got anything in there? You're laughing in there. You must've found the Rastafarians in there. No, I have not. Oh, that you does, have not? That, okay. does, that does not exist. No, we, we have not been able to find it at least in digital form Darn yet, it. but I'm going to go looking okay. for it. Uh, All right. All right. Yeah, you might at, make at some money point. if you could find that. Oh, Cause there man. are a lot of people that would like to see that. Uh, inclu- including myself. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't wait to try to find that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. I, I, I know you're very much like me. David and that you're very passionate about your Orlando Magic yep. and, and there is a reason for that we feel a connection with this team with this town we also feel a connection with the people running the organization mm-hmm. and the DeVos family Alex Martins the CEO and all the way down and people ask me well why are you so passionate that that's it it's my team it's my town it's it's the DeVos's it's Alex and I know you feel in a similar way yeah I don't like the organization and the people, I love the organization and the people. I love the DeVos family. I think they're some of the finest people that I've ever met that, that exist. And Alex Martins is a friend that goes back to 1989. I know the quality of their character. I know how much they care about the community. I know how much they want to win a championship. And uh, you know, they made mistakes. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've certainly made mistakes through the years. But, um, but those people are great people, all of them. And, uh, and they really care and, yeah. and they're trying, trying to, they're, they're willing to give what I think about it is I, I talked to Brian Hill about this just recently mm-hmm. and I asked Brian, is there a better ownership group that you could have as a professional sports coach? He says, absolutely not. And, and, and keep in mind now, because I, I, you have all the resources, whatever you need. Yes, exactly. And they don't poke their nose in your business. Right. But, they, but I want to go back you to your job. comment from, from Brian Hill. Here's a man who's working for the organization again, and yet mm-hmm. he was fired twice, twice. as head coach. Right. So you would think if, he, he, if he's got an axe to grind, it would be against this well, organization. Well, you know, you're talking about a special man, too, He is Brian. a special Brian guy, no is, question. That's another quality character yes, human being. right. And he recognizes what we're talking about in the in the DeVos family and, and Alex Martins and the people at the top. Yep. So. He's back. Yeah. You know, he knows yep. he knows quality. Brian's quality. John Gabriel has come back. Yep. I mean, these these are great people. Yeah. They're smart people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. David Steele, the Hall of Famer is here. I love how the Magic have rebuilt this front office. Tell me your thoughts about the front office and what Jeff Weltman is doing right now. There there's some people I mean, there's so many people running around the front office. I don't know half of them. Me either. Um, but but what Jeff Weltman is doing is it, it looks like he's building a machine here and I know he's not fond of the word culture no he's not he's he's told us that many times Nick right but it looks to me and and I know it looks to Nick as if he is building a culture with the people that he's hiring inside that front office a lot of people and they've they've been given (laughs) just like we said I said a minute ago Scott they've been given whatever resources you think you need we're going to build a championship we want to do this the way we're hiring you you put it together We'll give you whatever you need, and they have been given yeah. carte blanche to, to put this thing together. And uh, you know what I think, Scott? I think the first sign that we're seeing of what they've, they're they putting together, it's only beginning. It's only year one and a half. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Isaac. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, I developing. I point toward Absolutely. Jonathan Isaac. I questioned last year, I have to admit. Sure. Um, 27 games, ankle injury. You know, mm-hmm. he's young. But look what he's doing. Yes, I mean, absolutely. They, they, they just, they, they, they do things, they take their time, mm-hmm. and they, they want to do things the right way. They don't want to take shortcuts, um, and they didn't with Jonathan, and I think we're seeing the benefit right now. Yeah, he went awesome. to work. He yeah. went to work. 
He got stronger. He worked on his ankle. Um, his upper body is better. He's going to get better yeah. and better and better. It looks like we've really got a special player. So now you've got him, mm-hmm. and you've got Mo Bamba now. Here we go again. You mm-hmm. know, he's injured. He, he clearly physically is not ready. It's a man's game. Mm-hmm. He's 20 years old. Jonathan Isaac is 21 years old. Um, so now we're going to see Bamba go through the same thing this summer. Right. And I think, you know, because I look at what Isaac, what they've done with Jonathan Isaac, they being the, the, uh, the sports medicine people, the player development people that have all been hired under Weltman and Hammond. Mm-hmm. So this is a whole new staff and infrastructure that built up Jonathan Isaac. Now they're working on Bamba and Markel Fultz. Sure. Who, by the way, is the most talented player in the 2017 NBA draft. Yeah. And there's a good, there's a, like you say, there's a good history with this front office, right. with this organization, right. uh, rehabbing those people, if you will. So give me, I'm going to give you the obligatory question about most fond memories in 30 years of Orlando Magic history, David Steele, as you enter the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame. It, it, is there one memory in particular? Are there several? I'll let you have the floor here, sir. Well, I see you see the play so often and the call so much. The Nick Anderson, you've mm-hmm. already talked about it, so you know that one bounces out um, quickly. Um, there, there's other things that stand out. Shaq pulling down two rims. You know, you never things that you never thought you'd ever see. Right. You know, those are the things that really stand out. In New out. Jersey and in Phoenix. In Phoenix first, and in, then the late in the season in New Jersey. Um, Dwight getting a lob. Uh, from, from midcourt, Hito, from Hito right? Turkoglu against yeah. Tim Duncan and right. the San Antonio Spurs for a game-winning shot with yep. less than one second a left. Call by Brian Hill, by the way. Yes. Yep. And yeah. uh, beautiful execution, great call. And so those are the things. Daryl stealing a ball against Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the game was over. No time. No time left. Dribbles down. Wins the game. Game-winning layup wins the game. Yeah. Um, those things, um, T-Mac, some of the things that he did, mm-hmm. uh, 62 points. Although I was coming back from that leg injury then. That's I had a right. leg that was killing me under the ta- under the broadcast table. Why didn't you allow me to call that game should that have, night? I probably should have given you the, the entire <laughs> season My because I was, mis- I was miserable. That, Matter of fact, of I had year. to do the pregame shows. Ooh. I, mean, I, I think I was doing the pregame show that night on probably. television because you couldn't do it all. You, you couldn't do it all physically. Oh, man, that was painful. <laughs> but I came back and did, did yeah, those games did. and did some road trips with crutches. And, oh, oh gosh, it was brutal. I don't know how you did it. Not fun. I really don't know how you did it. But well, anyhow, but the, the, you know, those are moments, great moments that I that favorite jump players. Out. Favorite, favorite. Daryl, right at the top. Yeah, Daryl yeah, Armstrong, Bo Outlaw, the, yep. the heart and hustle. Both of you. Yeah. Wow, and the heart yeah. and hustle, yeah. yeah. That but team Nick, was great. Nick doesn't remember the old heart and Skiles, hustle days, but yeah. Skiles, Skiles was great. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, Jeff, obviously, mm-hmm. for, uh, for different reasons. He was a good player, but, uh, you know, just a great person. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I mean, Dwight Howard. I mean, you know, all mm-hmm. the things that have happened, there's some crazy stuff but yep. uh as a great player you, you got to put him right there on the mount rushmore of Ma- magic basketball. put us back on the map Shaq David. and penny yeah um shack and penny penny was a lot of fun to be around mm-hmm. he was a bright guy Shaq was just a riot you know always pulling pranks on <laughs> right, people right but um so you know those are some of the favorites there have been a lot of great guys right now vucevic uh, is just a terrific guy yeah uh, um I, i've enjoyed watching him develop and grow as an nba player well, I, I know you've, you, 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 you've got a big night on Friday night. We're going to usher you into the Magic Hall of Fame before I let you go. What about this particular Orlando Magic team? 27-32. and 32. They've won five straight, seven of eight, headed into the All-Star break. If there is a point in time where you don't want to go into the All-Star break, it's probably the Orlando Magic over the last week or so. But you get the Bulls on Friday. Can this Orlando Magic team, a half game out of the eighth and final playoff spot, can you make a playoff run? Can you possibly get to six, seven in the East this year, David? What do you think? Sure, I think it's doable. It's it's more than doable. I mean, I think it's it's at least very possible, if not likely. When you look at the schedules of all the teams, now having said that, they have to pick up where they left off, right? Because there was That's tremendous momentum. That's a and concern. we caught a couple of breaks. Let's be honest sure. in the schedule leading up during that five game stretch. But I go back. Scott, and I did one of the uh, Is This Anythings the other night, right before the break. Going back to January the 12th is where I think the turning point was. I think you look at, you look closely, Scott. The team had been on a six game road trip, went one and five. Right. I'm pretty sure it was a one and five. Typical January swoon. Here it comes, right? Here it comes. Now you're coming home to play Boston and Houston at home, Mm -hmm. back to back. Mm -hmm. You're thinking you lose both of those games. 
the season goes sideways. Weekend games, Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back. And how are you going to win those two games? Right, right. The team was not playing well. Season's done. Over. January 12th and 13th, done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Win both of those games. Yeah. Now we also then lost two should-have-won games against Brooklyn, mm-hmm. almost back-to-back, with a Detroit overtime loss. So those three games were in there. We were playing good basketball, but couldn't finish, couldn't win the, the close game. But if you look at the numbers statistically from January 12th to now, I think uh, I think we're the number four defensive team and the number 10 offensive team, something like Impressive. that. Top 15 offense, top five defense with a, what I, Jeff always talks about, you can have all those numbers. I want to know what the scoring differential is. Are you scoring more points than your opponent? Right. Because right. that's what it comes to. He right. said, and he's right. Yeah. If you look at the end of every year, the teams that are you know, that final column, if you look at all the stats, plus minus, the 16, there's 16 teams pretty much that are plus. They're right. the playoff teams. Right. The right. ones that didn't score that's as many. A good point. Yeah. So in the last, uh, since January 12th, we're like fifth in plus minus. Mm. So I'm looking at, you know that's who this team is. That's sign. it took it took Steve Clifford that long, you know, to get everybody to buy in totally. But I, we're playing a different way. We're playing great defense, defensive rebounding. Yeah, I was there the first day of training camp. I mean, he we are going to defensive rebound. We're going to hit people. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get second chance points. It took us a long time, you know, for guys to do that. But you watch now, teams don't get a lot of second chance opportunities. Right. right. So some of the things that Steve has been preaching that you have to do this if you're going to be a good team. Everybody's in. So yeah. I think I think it, it's promising. I, I see no reason why it doesn't continue. Well, I would love to Man, see it Scott, continue. That is something. That that That's is something. Some, is that anything or is that, that something? That is or something. Everything's something, Scott. Everything is something. But not everything is anything. <laughs> we, we love that segment. It's so good. It really it's is. So good. It really how did is. you come up with that, David? I have to know. Oh, how did okay. you I know we only have a couple more minutes. How did you how how did that that development come? It's a favorite for Magic fans. Well, two years before the season started last year, mm-hmm. we're coming in, we're meeting, you know, Ty Eastam, our producer, great producer for Magic Basketball, and uh, Greg Hartung, the director, Jeff, me, Dante, we're all meeting. We're trying to come up with ideas for the season. Mm-hmm. This is like a month before the season starts. Mm-hmm. And what can we do that'll be fun? Because it looks like it might be another long year, you know, it could be, you know, another heavy loss season. So... I, I'm always coming out with this stuff, and I, I've done it for 25, 30 years. I've done it all the time. You know, I, I dig up these nuggets, and most of it's useless information. <laughs> but I'll throw it out at, at the meeting, at the production meeting, and you know, I'll say, I don't know if it's anything, but you know, this is what I've got. And then they'll laugh at me, or they'll say, Yeah, yeah, let's use that. Oh, well, okay, okay, or that's good. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. I said, so I'm always coming up with this stuff. Why don't we just let's just put it out there? Is is this anything? Mm-hmm. And then and then Ty says, Well, let's have a buzzer, and it just you know we just brainstorm. Yeah. And uh, they came up with a graphic for it, and, you know, I mean, it just exploded. Yeah. So that's where it started. That's and, great. You know, my kids will tell you that I've been doing that, is this, any, is this anything, for, you know, forever, when they were little on vacation. <laughs> and I would say we'd be in the car, is this anything? And they, you know, no, that's not anything. That's Dad. great. So is, is this anything is something I've, and I think I got it from David Letterman. Because he okay, did yeah. something similar. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was a big Letterman fan, and he would he, the curtain would open, and some guy would come out with you know toothpaste on a pencil or something, and yeah, you know, Larry Bud Melman. Yeah. Is this anything? Is this anything? Right. Right. So we just throw it out there, and, and then the truck decides. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Is this anything to the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame on Friday night, David Steele? I am so happy for you, not only because you are a great broadcaster, but because you are a great person. You have been a hero of mine, my friend, both on the air and off. It is a well-deserved honor. Congratulations, my man. Have fun on Friday night. How difficult is it going to be to broadcast a Bulls Magic game on Friday night? That's going to be strange, isn't it? It's going to be odd, yeah, after all of that hoopla before the game. Right. I've got all my prep done. I did that. All-star break was good. I had time, so... I'm ready to go. I could do the game right it, it, now. It's all handwritten out, right? It's all handwritten. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have the what Nick, uh, Nick's got with the computer-generated <laughs> rosters. It's all on the computer. I'm I can't time. imagine writing that oh, stuff Oh, he out. writes it all out. Right. My right. goodness. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I know I should change, but I'm too old to oh, learn no. new tricks like no. that. David, congratulations again. Thanks, have fun on Friday night, all Thanks, right? Scott. I appreciate it. All right, great conversation between Scott and David Steele. It was great just to sit in on that. Uh, Nick Grunowitz here. Uh, We're going to go a couple more minutes here on the Heart and Hustle pod. Chris Crawford is joining me. 
Uh, and really all Chris and I could do during the taping of that conversation was sit there and watch kind of two guys that have been covering the team for longer than we've been alive, Chris, uh, break down the history, the back and forth, some of the behind the curtain stuff, uh, which was awesome. But uh, let's uh, yeah, David's still a great guy. I love that guy. During, the, dur- during yeah. my internship year with the Magic, they gave out the you know how they try to push the media to vote for all these awards like they send out. They send stuff out to the media. Is this like like for the the for, rookie for, of the year and all this stuff? Oh, okay. MVP. So you're talking about the N- the yeah, NBA awards, the NBA the awards, ones, yeah. yeah. So they send out stuff for you know to to basically oh, I try this, and get because you had all the your swag vote, and I got all the swag and one of the you things got all that, the cool stuff. Yeah, and David Steele hooked me up with the James Harden MVP one that they got, which was an iPad. But it wasn't like a legitimate iPad. It was one of those like cheap $20 ones, I guess. Okay. But it was basically a like folder. A nook? You, yeah, it was like a nook. Basically, you open it up and inside of it was promotions for why James. It was highlights of James Harden throughout the season and all that fun stuff. And it was really cool. And he was like, I was like, man, that's awesome. And he was just, you want it. I it's not going to change my vote anyway. Huh. And I was, yeah, I want it. Who did he vote for that year? Do you know? Uh, I have no Don't idea. Don't dime him no, out. Actually. I have no Don't. idea. No. Don't dime him out. Uh, yeah, David Day was great. It was great, actually, outside of the interview to get a chance to talk to him a little bit about uh calling these guys. I'm doing the Lakeland games yeah. and uh, it was awesome. Young Padawan. <laughs> uh, I don't think of myself that way, honestly, but uh, David Steele came into the studio and said, I've been listening, man. It's really, it's really great. And yeah, I was like, feel oh, good. this yeah. is an awesome yeah, day. It's got to feel good. Uh, but enough, enough about, enough about David Steele. You guys just listened to about 39 minutes of David Steele content here. Uh, they don't want to listen to 20 minutes of us just groveling over it. Uh, us, us kissing David Steele's behind because of how awesome he's been to us and how awesome he is on those broadcasts. Is this anything? Uh, uh, but something that we need to get to, something that is something, uh, we start at time of taping this, the final 23 games of the Orlando Magic season. Uh, and I think, Chris, you and I just wanted to kind of sit down and talk about uh, the final 23 games, yeah. what it's going to take to make the playoffs. By the way, a real playoff push going on this year. A sneakily fun playoff push coming. Yeah. And do you know what I realized with What's this that? playoff push? Hmm. The week off for All-Star break feels so much longer. It does. Because like, you want to get back to I basketball. I want to get back to basketball. Whereas in years past, I'm kind of, you know, let's, let's milk this for all it's got. How many more days do I have before we have to get back to the match? Well, not to mention, and you and I work in, you know, we work on ESPN 580. So we're involved in the daily, okay, let's come up with something to talk about yeah. side of things, as well as doing this where, you know, it's a couple of times a week, by the way, you know, subscribe, five-star comment as well. Uh, but I, I think that in the past, we've also had the trade deadline. Other than last year, this is the second oh, yeah, year the trade right. deadline yeah. has been moved to earlier. Good so, point. yeah, that's the other thing is that just the NBA's news cycle, the NBA is thinking good for Anthony Davis and good for the Kyrie Irving stuff. But uh, that's the thing is that if you're a Magic fan, you win five straight and what, seven of eight, seven of eight, yeah, going into the break, you just want to keep playing basketball. Yeah. So now we hit the final 23. They play the Chicago Bulls on Friday night. Uh, and a lot of people are... Wondering, okay, not just can this team make the playoffs, how high can they make it? Uh, quick breakdown of the final 23. So you have 23 games. Um, eight of them are against teams that are currently over 500. This is the second or third easiest schedule in the NBA the rest of the season. Two of those eight against the Indiana Pacers, who are now without Victor Oladipo. They are. Worth noting that as well. Sitting as we record this in the three seed in the mm-hmm. Eastern Conference, yes, you get an Indiana team, which, by the way, has been able to just hold its own without Vic. And Nate McMillan, Nate McMillan has done an unbelievable job. Is it sustainable, though? That's what we'll have to see after <sighs> we, this I break. I didn't think it would be this sustainable for it them, It was honestly. only like a week and a half, two weeks, since Vic hurt himself, oh, hasn't I, it? No. Has I it think they've played than many more games than that. I'd have to go back and look. I think it's been about a month. Has it? Has it felt that long? It just felt like yesterday, to be okay. honest. We could be wrong either way. Okay, but. I could be wrong. But 23 games, eight against teams with winning records, which means 15 of them are against teams that currently have losing records. And as I said, the second to third easiest schedule in the NBA. So currently, you take a look at the NBA standings here as I pull it up because I'm not prepared to do this. Um, but the Magic are sitting... A half game out half of the eight game, seed, yeah. which I know that, but it's they're twenty seven and thirty two. How many wins is it going to take to make the playoffs? I think, I'm talking bare minimum eight seed. How many wins? I think twelve. I think a twelve and eleven record over the final twenty three gets you there. So th- that would be thirty nine and forty three. Yeah. Right, play eighty two yeah, games. So right? total. Oh yeah. So a total of thirty nine wins. I think gets you into that. Right. Eight no, seed. no, that would be twelve wins. You're yeah. right. I mean, I was just thinking. Okay, what would the final record be? Right. Thirty nine. So that means because Detroit would need thirteen wins to get there. Uh, and you're really playing against Detroit-Miami for that eight seed at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So you think it's 12 wins. Yes. I'm right there with you 
um, whether it's 12 or it's 13 or so, um, I think right around 40 guarantees you a playoff berth. If you can get to 40 and 42, which, by the way, this team has already won two more games here at the All-Star break than they did all of last season. Steve Clifford has done an unbelievable job. But I would say right around 40 wins guarantees you a playoff spot. At 39-38, you could still get in, but it's going to be by the skin of your Orlando Magic teeth. Uh, And you start looking at, let's say, the Magic want to get greedy. How high do you think they can make it? Can they make it as high as the sixth seed, let's say? I mean, Brooklyn right now is three games in front of the Magic and the sixth seed. They're still without Spencer Dinwiddie, and he seems to be one of the real difference makers for this team. They're going to get Karis LeVert back, but Dinwiddie's out for a couple more weeks. Yeah, Dinwiddie, the last report that I saw uh, as of two days ago, I believe it was, that he may not be back until mid-March, later March. So he's mm-hmm. still going to miss a significant amount of time coming forward here. And yeah, Karis LeVert's coming back, but that injury that he suffered was a scary one, and that's one that probably will take a little longer for him to get back into you know, basketball form. As right, that's win. the thing is you and might be was, back, but you're not Right, back. and he, he took such a big step this year. I mean, leap that he, I mean, not a step. He, he took a contract. leap at the start of this year and was playing some of the best basketball for them at the start of the year. Can he come back and play at that same exact level right away? I doubt it. Will he get there? That's something we'll have to wait and see as well. So the Magic definitely have a shot at catching the Pacers, but I mean, excuse me, we'll have a catch uh, catching the Nets, but mm-hmm. it's something that we'll have to see how well those players pan out for the Nets. I have not looked at the schedule for Brooklyn through the final it's 23 one of games. The harder it's ones. One, right. It is. It's now, like the second hardest, I believe Brooklyn, in the East out of Brooklyn, Char- Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Detroit. You know, these, these numbers much better than I do. Um, it's Brooklyn and Charlotte that have like a bear of a schedule right. the rest actually, of the yes, way. Detroit right. yeah. is a little bit yeah. easier. Detroit's middle of the pack. Right. Charlotte is actually the second hardest in right. the East. It's Charlotte who has the second hardest. And the Brooklyn Nets are in the top five, I mm. believe, for the hardest in the East. So, yeah, they're both kind of facing. I wouldn't call it an uphill battle because they're already kind of on the top of the hill, so to speak. But they, they I mean, look at Brooklyn on as we're taping this. It's a Thursday. Brooklyn opens with Portland to start the second, yes, you know, exactly. the final 20 some games of the season. So it's, it's also worth noting that that Bucks game that the Magic just played, I believe that was their latest game left this entire year. And that was a nine o'clock start. Oh, you mean I in think, terms of time, in yeah. terms of time, I think they only have one or two more eight o'clock tips. And other than that, everything is at seven or seven 30 for them. Mm-hmm. So they're staying on, they're staying on the East on the coast normal body clock yeah, yeah, for pretty much the remainder of the season, which is something that is huge as well. I, uh, yeah, I agree. I know. I, I, I think you make a really good point. I don't normally think about that. You do. Uh, that's interesting analysis there. I have to say <laughs> in terms of, okay, so they're not starting later than seven 30, which your team stays more consistent. Then. Yeah. You're, you're definitely right. Helps develop a groove. I don't think it would be out of the ordinary for the magic to make a run for the seven or the six seed. No, uh, I don't think so. Uh, and if they end up not just making the playoffs, but getting to that point, uh, I'm going to go one step further here, and if I'm going to get on a, on a soapbox, that's fine, Chris. Please tell me that that I'm out of my mind here. I'm going to tell you right now, if the Magic go 41-41 and 41 or better, and they end up as the 6th or 7th seed, go ahead and give Steve Clifford the Coach of the Year award. Steve Clifford comes in, he has the exact same roster. He has Terrence Ross, he has Aaron Gordon on a new contract, Mo Bamba, your sixth pick, gets hurt, all right? And you're telling me this team is going to be 15-plus wins better if they win 40 or more games? This is a team that quit on Frank Vogel last yeah. year. If the Magic make the playoffs, and they don't finish just as the eight seed and crawl in. A lot of this is optics, okay? And you end up as the six or the seven seed, uh, especially the six. And you're in a situation where you know you're you're right there with with those teams. Steve Clifford should be in the conversation for the coach of the year. Now, will he win it? Probably not, because he's coaching Orlando. But Steve Clifford has done one of the best, yeah. if not the best, coaching job. In the NBA this season. He could probably finish second or third. Uh, I think you got to look at Brooklyn Nets, Atkinson there as well yeah. as a candidate well, there. Well, who finishes with a better record, who right? Who finishes with a better record. But I, mean, point. Any, I think any other year you could probably make a very strong case for Clifford, if not for the resurgence of the Denver Nuggets out Mike west. Malone. Mike Malone. Mike Malone pretty much has this award locked up. I mean, you could probably make a case for Budenholzer with the with the Bucks with too. the Milwaukee Bucks. But just the Bucks were a four. What were they? A four or five seed last yeah. year. So their improvement to the top seed in the East is impressive. Yeah. But from the from the Nuggets to go from 
outside of the playoffs to the two seed in the Western Conference this year. I mean, it's a huge step for them. Here's one thing with the Magic. Looking back to the Magic, though, you want now them... that we pull Nick off his soapbox now, really yeah. quick. Well, I mean, now that you... Nick has just gotten on record, he wanted to be there first. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> He's, he'll be in the conversation. He, he will be. be. He's not. I mean, he'll get votes probably, but he won't finish first. No, the, he'll be. He'll be third. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You want the Magic to come out and keep playing with the same tenacity that they were playing with before the break, which was you remember getting out up early on opponents and holding that lead against the opponents that they should be beating. The the Chicago Bulls are one of those teams that they should be doing that to uh, tonight or tomorrow night, whenever mm-hmm. the, you know, this is we're recording this on, on, Friday on Thursday, on Friday night, if you want to say, uh, but here's the thing. John Denton put this little nugget out there, which is a great nugget. Okay. And is this something? Yes, I think so. Over the past two seasons, there have been six teams with winning streaks of at least four games entering the break. Four of those six lose their first game back. Oh, feeling good. Yeah. Right. You, want feeling to, yeah, good? you don't want to get too cocky. How many, of I those, mean, how many of those teams had an all-star though for the first time starting to go into the second break? They yeah, wanted to I kind mean, of prove that. I think the Nick Vucevic factor is something here where Vuce is going to want to come back and say, Hey, I played during the all-star game. You saw me out there. I had my, yeah, wait, also, can we take a brief moment to just chastise all this Orlando hate that is going on out there lot. out of nowhere? Did you see Zach Harper? Yeah. The Zach Harper tweet. Oh, this is Zach, though. I mean, like you and I have followed Zach on yeah. Twitter for a long time. This is just Zach, though, where it's OK. 23 of the NBA's best players in Nick, Nick Vucevic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like that's a moment where you want to say, hey, Zach, just go to hell. Yeah. OK, but that's just Zach being Zach. But that's but I'm just saying like, I, I don't get why all of a sudden now I all, Dude, all when you're as Linda's- bad as this organization has been for six years and I I work for the organization. Uh, it has been out of their control at times. They went with the plan with Rob Hennigan. It didn't work out. Um, but you're you're going to expect to get that kind of stuff while you're starting to rebuild, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, I, uh, I don't I don't think so. It just I feel like it's just kind of been, you know, like no one's doing it to the Nets. Excessive. It's been yeah. excessive. Is that yeah, what you're it saying? just feels like it's been excessive and out of nowhere? Like what what has Orlando ever done to anyone? I don't know. You're right. No, that's a good point. I, I, I guess I, mean, I think well, I mean, honestly, it's something that they could use to motivate themselves too. maybe they come in and sure. I, like you said, like Nick Vucevic probably heard all of that stuff. Everyone was talking about Nick Vucevic as the outlier in that all star. Yeah. All star break and everything. Good so I imagine bad. that he's going to try and come out and prove everyone wrong. Good or bad. The magic were kind of the talk of the all star game. Uh, at least one of the topics that were discussed of the NBA was. So I guess they're included in that. But you had Nick Vucevic either good or bad or whatever. And I don't know if you heard Kevin Durant talking about Jonathan Isaac. I mean, oh, that was big. too. Yeah, I, I have. I Jonathan Isaac, I think the way that he played and David Steele talked about it, too. David Steele loves Jonathan Isaac and I do as well. Uh, you and I are both longtime stakeholders uh, in the Jonathan Isaac IPO, uh, which I will just say, uh, if he stays motivated and plays the way that he continues to play, this team is not just going to make the playoffs. They may have a chance to really make some noise in the postseason. Well, if you go back to podcasts, two of the shows that we've done in the last one that I was on with you guys, the one thing I talked about was that pull-up jumper yes. that Jonathan Isaac that has is, is Kevin Durant-esque. That was the closest Can thing to Kevin Durant Can you tell Jerry Daniels this? Because when we talked about a comp for Jonathan Isaac in terms of the, the basket, he keeps saying Kevin Garnett, and I keep saying Kevin Durant, and he thinks that Isaac is Garnett. I, I, there's prob- Garnett is there, there is, but, but I mean he's here's the thing I mean the reason why the Magic drafted Jonathan he's Isaac he's too finesse to be a Garnett thank you yes the reason why they drafted Jonathan Isaac was because they felt like he could become some semblance right. of Durant he's not Durant but some semblance of I him. would I would put him I mean he's kind of he's he's a he's a he's a baby Giannis slash baby Kevin Durant, whichever one you want to go with. He's so a, if, he's if a Giannis young, and he's Durant a young, had yeah. a baby, yeah. it would be yeah. he's, he's something young, like that. He's a young baby Giannis slash Durant okay. hybrid right here, where if he can turn it on to the next level, he'll be in his own you know, separate class of Jonathan Isaac mm-hmm. because his defense, I think, is... In a, is could be in a different place than Giannis and Kevin Durant's is, but his offense right. may not ever reach where right. they're Jonathan at. Jonathan Isaac will never win a scoring title. Giannis has no. a chance to do that in his career if he develops a three-point shot. Kevin right. Durant, of course, has. I don't know if Jonathan Isaac will ever be in the running for an MVP, but I will tell you this. In his career, Jonathan Isaac will be on an all-NBA defense yeah, team. He could he win, could defensive, win player defensive player of the year. Without no a doubt. doubt. Uh, so the Magic have 23 games left. Uh, we'll finish up with this. 15 of them against teams that are 500 or, b- or below. 
I think if you can win 12 of those 15, you're in a great spot. Right, because they're going to beat some teams that are better than them. But that game against Chicago, you're right, will tell us a lot about this team. If you're the Magic, though, you have to go in and say, we're winning all 15 of these games. Oh, of course. And we're going we're gonna to try and steal one of those two against the Pacers. If you win all 15 of those and you go 4-4 four and four, or let's say, you have, what is it, 8 games, 2-6, and six, and you win 17 games, that puts you at 44 wins. You're the sixth seed. If you win 44 games... You're the sixth seed. Without Brooklyn without Spencer Dinwiddie is not winning four, another 14 no. games this year. It, and the other team ahead of them, too, right now, the Miami Heat, we have no idea what's oh. going on with Goran Dragic, if, when he's coming back, and how good they'll be when he's back. That's just the team that, in the way that your reaction tells me everything. I'm not a that, believer in Miami. I'm not a believer either, and that's exact. I feel the I mean, same like exact trade way. Wayne Ellington, right, what Tyler Johnson got moved to. Miami yeah. did this weird thing where people think they're going to go on a push for the playoffs, and they might because Eric Spolstra is a Jedi but the roster they have, I, I think that in terms of the teams that are in the mix here, it's, listen, like I'm, I'm going to say Brooklyn's going to make the playoffs, okay? the It's four teams for two spots, Charlotte, Detroit, Miami, and Orlando. I, I like Charlotte and Orlando the most. Yeah. I don't like Detroit's team that much. No, I just, I'm not a big I'm not fan a Detroit, either. I'm not a Detroit fan. Blake has been a fun story, It hasn't but consistently been there. One night, no. they're, they're, they're like the magic of years past, where one night it's there, the next night it's not. They'll show up and beat a team that they're not necessarily supposed to, and then they'll lose by 40 to a team that they should beat easily. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, finally here, and we'll get done with this on the Heart and Hustle podcast, uh, Chris Crawford and Nick Ronowitz here. Um, do I do that? Am I supposed to do that on a podcast? Kind of, I, I guess, so, remind yeah. people who might, we are. Might as well, I don't yeah. know. There's been, I'm, I'm so used to the radio thing. Uh, let's say the Magic make the playoffs. Who do you want to see them play in the first round? Obviously, I guess who would... obviously Pacers, right? Yeah, I mean, like, if you can make it, what would that be? That would be 3-6. If they hold on to the 3 seed, but I think they're going to slide down to the 4 I don't think four, so either, and you're not getting five. to the 5, right? No. You're not well, you've, getting got, you've got Philly and Boston behind Indiana right, right. now, and they're going to make their runs. My assumption of the 3-4 three, the three to four teams that you'll have a chance to play, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Philly, those are the four that I'm really choosing from here. Who would be the most vulnerable, I would say, in a series that the Magic could potentially, let's say, make some noise. I'm gonna. I honestly like. I, I none, none of the above. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna be a realistic. You're no I'm, fun. I know. I'm just gonna be realistic here. But you look at it anyway, and there's just too much firepower on all four of those teams. Sure. Now maybe if this injury bug continues with Kyrie and the Celtics, you know, just kind of start to crumble because of the animosity there, maybe they could steal a game or two. But I just, I they've already beaten the Celtics once this year. Remember, so we know we can lead. Or did they beat them twice? Actually, you might be right. It might have been twice. Either way, they've beaten the Celtics at least once this year. So they've proven they can do it. Whether they could do it over a seven-game series, that'll be interesting. Whether they could do it in a playoff atmosphere in the Garden, that would be interesting. But I, They've I, won two of the three games against two Boston three this games, year, and they yeah. play them the second-to-last game of the season before playing Charlotte. Right, so I, I, I would ha- I'd probably say I'd probably say them just because I would we've already Kyrie beaten them. I Kyrie has but... played in either one of those games. I think Kyrie has sat both of those. Um, but ultimately, no. They're, I, they make the playoffs. Listen, Magic fans, they make the playoffs. Let's all be excited oh, about success. that. Let's be it's excited about success. how fun this season's been. It's been so much better than last year. They may lose in four games. Maybe they could win one, steal one, and get done in five, but... Either way, you got to look at that as a successful season. By the, for the way, the Magic, Magic. win 44 games this season. Steve Clifford should finish no lower than second on the Coach of the Year ballot. I'm just getting, I'm getting on my high horse now for this. <laughs> I'm going to campaign hard for Steve Clifford. I think he's done an unbelievable job this year with the same team that won 25 games last year. Uh, if I have to pick one team, I'm going to be more fun than you. All right, I'm okay. sorry. That's fine. I want to play Milwaukee. I think that there is a case to be made that Steve Clifford, who is a defensive-minded head coach, you can figure out a way to make Giannis less efficient. I don't want to make this sound like I'm dumping all over Giannis Adetokounmpo, who is a Greek god in the NBA, but Milwaukee guys like Eric Bledsoe, who, you know, okay, I mean, he's good, not great, he's all right. Um, I think that you have an opportunity uh, to perhaps make Giannis less efficient in a series, and maybe you can steal two games against them, maybe get it to six or seven games, and who knows what happens. Well, the one exci- the one thing I just you picked can... the team that was 43-14, and 14, by the well, way. Well, but here's the thing. The, that Milwaukee Bucks team has yet to win a playoff series together. I Giannis know. hasn't won a playoff series. You look at the Raptors, and Kyle Lowry has yet to show up in a playoff series. You look at Boston. They've got a lot of animosity going on there. There are problems in the locker room. Will Kyrie be healthy? Will he not be healthy we'll see in Philly yeah they have a great starting five but Joel Embiid's now out for a week with a knee problem too could injury bugs come and start to bite them as well each one of those top four teams has a slight flaw 
that may or may not be able to take advantage of come playoff time. It's just kind of a wait and see sort of thing. So yeah, I, I, I think that they could maybe have a chance to steal one or two games against them. I like your idea about Steve Clifford defensively against the Bucks, though. Yeah. In a Giannis versus Jonathan Isaac kind of matchup in the <laughs> playoffs, so much fun. could be a ton of fun. And a couple of aliens just going head to head. That was a fun podcast. Uh, that was a great time. Great to hear from uh, David Steele earlier. You and I sat in during that. We really we did. didn't participate much. They let me ask one question. Uh, thanks to Scott for hanging out Chris man uh, we're going to be all over the magic over the final 23 games you can get the podcast on iTunes Google Play Stitcher wherever you can find podcasts is where you can find it uh, we will send out all those links you can follow Chris Crawford at ESPN 580cc Scott Inez at Inez says me at ESPN 580 Nick uh, do not forget you can catch Scott's show Monday through Friday on ESPN 580 Orlando, 4 to 6. Uh, Chris and I are sprinkled in there as well in the evenings from 6 to 8. Also, go to a Lakeland Magic game. They're really good. We'll talk to you soon. This has been the Heart and Hustle Podcast.